Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 51 of Season 5 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee-ki-yay our way through the 1990 Bruce Willis action flick, Die Hard 2, Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is Hal Bryan of the Rocketeer Minute. Welcome to the show, Hal. Oh, thanks, Rob. It's uh, it's fun to be here. It's a, a great way to do this, and it's uh, a good excuse to go back and watch that movie again. There you go. I'm 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 glad. Do you want to actually tell everyone maybe your, your history with this movie? Do you, do you remember when you first saw it? Uh, you know, any other thoughts about the movie in general? Let's see. I mean, I was uh, I was certainly stoked for it because, um, you know, I saw the first Die Hard. I think opening day in the theater and things like that, and and uh, so I heard there was a sequel coming, and then especially found that it had an aviation angle. Uh, really, really excited about it. I uh, would have also seen it on uh, on opening day, and I do remember at the time that it was uh, it was shooting, um, they actually filmed all the uh, not maybe not all, but they filmed a bunch of the airport exteriors at uh, a place called Moses Lake, Washington, which was um, at the time was you know, a twenty minute flight by small airplane from where I was living and working and and flying. Oh, and wow. uh, so you'd hear about a, a movie being shot over there and something going on, and there were rumors, oh, maybe it's Die Hard. Um, but uh, uh, we flew over the place a couple of times, but you just you never really never really saw anything. And I, I should have made a better effort at the time to go out there and you know really try to watch, but it was just something that we were aware of was happening, quote unquote, in the neighborhood. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I I've told the story to to my listener to other listeners before, but you know, I also had a a touch with uh with with Die Hard 2 when it was being filmed. I mean, I, I grew up in Michigan. Uh so I remember that a friend of mine and I saw on a, on in the newspaper that they were looking for extras to you know to to be in in Die Hard 2. You know, and they were filming in the Upper Peninsula or near the Upper Peninsula. I don't even remember where it was specifically. And you know, they they said anyone come, you know, it's an all-night shoot, you know, we'll choose who we're going to use and stuff like that. And me and my friend were really really wanted to go and at this point i can't remember the reason why it didn't work out but we never went you know and that's one of the things that i still kick myself to to this day you know like i've I've said this before if if i had a time machine one of the things that i would do is go back to my 16 year old self in 1990 and say doesn't matter what's going on this day get in the car <laughs> go up there so that exactly. you'll be yeah. actually even even if it's just seeing me somewhere in the background you know because from what i understand it's it's the scene at the end when the planes are landing you know that those that those were the scenes that they were filming so it was like oh, okay sure. so so i would have probably been you know dressed up as as a you know as a fireman or or a paramedic or something like that you know at the time but right. whatever you know there are these things that you, you just can't redo or undo or anything like that and you know it would have been great but yeah. instead, you know, 33 years later, I'm sitting here talking about this movie one minute at a time. So why not? <laughs> why <laughs> but it would not? be. But wouldn't it be cooler? Wouldn't it be cooler if I could say, "Hey, there's me," you know? But yes, yes. and in this minute, that's if you look really closely in the lower left corner of the screen. There you go. Uh, it's that would be the great kind of thing to be able to do with the time machine. I mean, let somebody yeah. else worry about killing Hitler and all that sort that's of thing. That's right. You know, exactly. Just, I just want to go make this little change. It's not going to have any major effect. Just, well, it will because then, then the, the, says, the yes, guy. I am. It will make a change because the guy who actually played the extra they would have given me, his life would have been changed. And he would have been like, That's true. damn, I was supposed to be that extra on the movie. I don't know why they let this other guy take it instead. So, you know. And then he buys a time machine and everything <laughs> just goes out of control from there. 
that that's actually you know there we there we go we we have a, a great idea for a movie, you know people just keep using time machines to keep changing you know these little minor things that keep happening, um want you know basically struggling against one another in order to be an extra in a movie, there you go, <laughs> an infinite paradox. Yeah, why not? Sounds good to me. <laughs> there you go. That's it. right. Me too. So basically, uh, minute fifty-one begins with uh, Barnes giving a report. And ends with Khan giving an update. We, we ended things on Friday with, you know, Holly was was on the plane with uh, Thornburg. Uh, he was he was trying to butter her up a little bit and didn't didn't really work. And then she gets offered some champagne, and then we get a fraction of a second of you know Barnes sitting there getting ready to give some sort of uh, report on a walkie-talkie, and that's where this minute begins. So we have Barnes is sitting on the, the slidewalk or near the slidewalk, and he's getting his arm bandaged by John, which is very strange. You know, I, I, I saw that and I'm like, huh, why is John bandaging his arm? You know, and, and Barnes starts talking and says, me? Yeah, I live. But Lorenzo's SWAT team is dead. And the antenna ray is, is gone. So, like, what do you think? What do you think? You know, we have all these paramedics walking around. You know, and we saw them, you know, uh, take the uh, the paddles off of one of the bodies, you know, on Friday and stuff like that. And here, you know, they've 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 uh, wrangled John in to be a, uh, you know, a, a, I guess a little bit of a medic. Right. Yeah. That that struck me as odd as well. But it's, I, I, part of me thinks they just they wanted to give, uh, you know, give Bruce Willis a little bit of business, something to do. They probably needed to have a reason for him sitting there, and and it would be you know weird to try to block that uh, by by squeezing a paramedic in between them to actually do the bandaging. But right. um, boy, that's that was uh, you know, <clears throat> there's a lot of uh, a lot of holes in this movie. Oh yeah, we're going to talk about some later this week. That's series. that's actually why you're here <laughs> to talk about some of the holes later this week because you are sure. an aviation expert. But we'll we'll get there. We're we're not going to jump ahead. We'll, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, all at a time. Yes, that's correct. Um, no, it's just very funny that you know maybe they just were saying, okay, who here has some sort of uh, you know medical experience? And John goes, hey, I've uh, you know uh, I've wrapped up some of the you know some of the scum that I've been beating up over the years. So you know I know how to right. take care of yeah. of glass shards. Uh, you know that that have cut Barnes's arm. I don't know. <laughs> well, and he's he's bandaged his own feet. He's got his his background there. No, so. but but that was but there he was you know using a t-shirt as opposed to uh, you know having to True. use anything else. So here, actually, maybe this is a t-shirt. Is it possible that he's wrapping a t-shirt around his arm? That would be perfect. <laughs> he, he just had a had a spare t-shirt. That's right. <laughs> Who knows? You never really know. Um, but I mean, again, I like the, 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 the way that they're giving us some exposition here, you know, just having Barnes explain, you know, his situation, explaining that the SWAT team, it doesn't matter. They're completely dead. There's no, and, and the, uh, antenna ray is, is, uh, completely blown up, even though we've seen all this, but now they've basically right. recapped it for anybody who's just joining at minute 51, you know, now you get this quick recap of what's, uh, of what's going on. You know exactly well and it it's you know they're making it clear that uh that everybody in the scene who needs to know or even off camera outside of the scene everybody who needs to know what's happened 
is now up to speed. Yes. You know, that it's, you know, you hate to see some sort of huge thing happen and then sort of cut back to the principals and say, well, why aren't they talking about this? Right. Why, why didn't he tell them what just happened? Right. Exactly. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out that this is, this must be a cell phone that he's talking on. You know, it's a very early version of a cell phone from 1990. Uh, I'm sure you remember just like I do that in 1990, most people did not have cell phones. Um, Absolutely. I, I think I got a cell phone maybe in 97 or 98. I think that was like the first, and, and there weren't that many people using cell phones at the time. You know, it was right. still, yeah, was... it was still in its infancy uh, for mass use. Obviously, you know, we know that that cell phone started in the seventies and, you know, then they had car phone. the eighties was, you know, you can see tons of eighties movies, you know, where you have rich people, you know, with uh, car phones. Right. Um, well, back in my, uh, um, in fact, right about the time of this, this movie and call it, you know, maybe give or take a year on either side, but, but certainly that era of my life, I was working in law enforcement and our entire police department had, a single cell phone. Okay. And it, uh, it was uh, a giant sort of somewhere between a briefcase and a suitcase and then had a coiled handset attached to it. That sounds like, sounds like something they use in James Bond. You know, the, yeah, you know, it was the... very much so. But, <laughs> but like, like, a, like a Bond villain, which yes. is a weird way to feel when you're supposed to be the good guy. That's true. That's true. So in other words, you're saying that the, the, the cell phone that, that Barnes is using here is, is a little smaller. A little bit smaller, yeah. There, there is no, you know, 50-pound suitcase attached to it. That's right. Hey, if it works, why not? There's certain things that, uh, you know, that's one of the things I love about looking at movies from, from you know, I guess from a different era, you know, where, where when it's an era that, 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 that we're more, that we're still familiar with. You know, I'm not talking about like seeing things from the 40s or 50s where, you know, we don't really have as much of an idea of what's going on, what was going on and how things were, were being done. But, you know, something right. within our, uh, I guess, adolescent and above, uh, you know, timeline, you know, that type of thing. Um, right. Was it reminds us how much things have changed. Oh yeah, this, for sure. You know, this doesn't, uh, this movie doesn't feel like, what did you say? 33 years ago. Yeah. Is that does not feel that, that makes me uh, 55, which at the time we're recording this, I just turned about a week ago. All right. I'm, I'm 49. And, uh, so, you know, it's uh... so yeah, just we're in that same neighborhood. <laughs> exactly. Um, and that none of that seems possible to me. There's correct. no way that 1990 was 33 years ago. That's correct. I, et cetera. Et cetera. What, what, what always gets me is I think about it and I say, okay, so 33 years ago was, was diehard. Now, if you think 33 years before diehard, uh, Die Hard 2. Okay, so that was the year of that was 1957. So that was the Bridge on the River Kwai, um, right? Uh, Twelve Angry Men, uh, Witness of the Prosecution. You know all those movies, and I think to myself, okay, the distance between us now and Die Hard 2 is the same distance that people looked at from Die Hard 2 backwards, and that that just blows my mind whenever I think about that type of stuff. You know, it, it's funny that you say that because I was just uh, reminiscing with a friend of mine on the 40th anniversary of the release of Return of the Jedi, which okay. is May 25th of, right. of 83. Mm -hmm. And he and I were there at three in the morning together. And that uh, The midnight show sold out instantly. We got our tickets to the next one at three. And uh, and then it hit me that uh, that was closer to World War II That's right. than now. That's right. That was, <laughs> I, how was as that you even? said that, I was just Remotely thinking to myself, possible. exactly the same thing. You know, it's, so it, it, it's just amazing to, when you look back and how that all, uh, you know, moves along. But, you know, we're all still here to talk about it. So I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> here, here. 
that's it. <laughs> that, that's all there really is. <laughs> you know, so, all right. So John finishes bandaging. And as he's bandaging, he we hear like this big beeping sound. And John starts looking around, trying to figure out where the beeping sound is. And I, I don't know if you notice this, but he, he doesn't even finish bandaging up Barnes. He's about to like tie a knot in the bandage on Barnes. And he just leaves it and gets up. He just kind of lets it go. I hadn't noticed that. <laughs> well, maybe he wants him to look like a mummy, you know, from, from Abbott and Costello and the mummy or something like that, you know. Right. Uh, you know. Or maybe he's trying to send a message that uh, with all these paramedics around, maybe one of them could have done this. That's right. Get someone a little more experienced to do this for you. Right. <laughs> and then John gets up and he walks towards the, the – the, you see all these payphones on the wall. And one of them he walks by and you can see tons of blood all over it. Uh, yes. <laughs> You know, no, no one, no one decided. I mean, they're dealing with the bodies. I understand, but uh, you know, they they did have, I guess, wipes at the time. You know, you can start cleaning it up a little bit. I don't know. Right. And the, and, it's the that, and the uh, phones are in plastic bags. Are still, That's right. Yeah, they're still shrink wrapped. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> and then John leans over to 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 the body on the ground. As I mean, it, it's actually very funny. If you look, you see the paramedic is getting ready to put the guy in a body bag, but. The paramedic is really far away. Like John gets is even closer to the body than the paramedic is, and basically John's theoretically helping the paramedic because he he flips the body over and lands him in the body bag. And you can see that that's right. actually Shockley, who is the one terrorist that in this entire movie that John does not kill. You know, so interesting. Yeah, I hadn't uh, I hadn't made that connection. Yeah, that, I don't know if that's on purpose, but whatever. And now, do, right. do you know the guy who plays uh, Shockley? It's um, oh, it's Mark can't place him. Mark Boone Jr. You can't place him because he looks so different from what you normally would know him from. Have you seen Memento? Okay. Oh yeah. Okay, so he plays the the the, the clerk, the the clerk at the motel. Okay, he's been yeah. in Sons of Anarchy and stuff like that. You you always see him with this like really big beard and and right. you know uh, a, a lots of of like hair going all over the place. Uh, you know, like shocking gray hair all over the place and stuff like that. Um, and this is just nine years before. Oh, this is uh, ten years before uh, Memento. You know, and he looks very different because he's here. He's clean shaven he and stuff like that. I mean, when when we saw him get get killed uh i think two weeks ago so you could tell that it's him here it's a little difficult to tell completely that it's him but you you see that he's got blood on his face also right well i never would have made that connection that's amazing well when i was starting to do research on this movie and i saw that he's in this movie i'm like i don't remember him being here because <laughs> you know right. i didn't remember a guy who looks like mark boone jr there and you know and again mark if you're listening i've i've reached out to you. I would love to to have you on and you know on the show to talk about you know what you did in the movie. So and any of the other people who played, you know, any of the characters, I've I've reached out to many of you. You know, feel free to get in touch with me if you if you want. I I again, I'd love to hear your thoughts on things. And John then as he's uh, turning the body over, he takes out a walkie-talkie, you know, from I guess the a pouch or a pocket or something like that. Um, and he basically then, uh, you know, we hear in the background, um, we hear Barnes say, uh, didn't you see it? I'm tired of looking for a new miracle, which doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> I don't know what his new miracle is. And then you hear Barnes continue and he says, just hold a minute. No, I'll be right back. And then you hear, just hold a second. 
something's going on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just hold on for a minute. Now, these are things that if you're not looking at the, the transcript of the, you know, the subtitles, you'll never, right. you can't really hear it. When, when you're looking, like when I did my research for this, I could hear it, but it wasn't something that you even pay attention to when you're normally doing it. Right. And, you're just sort of aware that there's dialogue, there's radio chatter. Yeah, you exactly. don't pay too much attention to and it. And you're not paying any attention to it because it's, it's, it's actually in the background. It's not even this radio that John is holding, you know? Right. And then, uh, you know, the shot changes and we're back in, in the church. And we, we then hear, we see Garber say, I say again, Annex team, give us a sit, sit rep. Annex team, come in, do you copy? And, you know, then it goes back to, to, to John with Barnes standing next to him. And, you know, we once again hear garbly goo. <laughs> you can't really tell anything that's being, being said because obviously it's all being scrambled. Um, and then uh, basically John goes, it's got some kind of scramble on it. Can you do anything with it? And, you know, we, it continues to, to make all these screeching sounds and stuff like that. And John hands it over to Barnes, who starts playing with it. Um, and, you know, then he responds and says, uh, no, this scramble mode must activate on this code panel. Even if we scan their frequency, we can't listen in. These guys are pros. Now, First of all, aren't they scanning their frequency right now? <laughs> that's what, it, yeah. <laughs> he, I think that's by definition what's happening. Exactly. He goes, even if we're scanning their frequency, but hello, you're listening to it. <laughs> you are scanning their frequency. You can't understand what they're saying because of the fact that it's scrambled. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, what do you know about uh, scramblers? Do you know anything about them? Um, very, very little. I, I think the uh, only sort of tenuous sort of thread connection I can come up with is that, um, again, I mentioned my, my law enforcement days and about toward the end of my, my career, um, a lot of departments, we, we never did, but a lot of, uh, I said the end of my, the law enforcement phase of my career, a lot of departments were going to, uh, I, I, I don't know, either somewhere between scrambled or encrypted uh, would be the right term. Uh, right, I think today we would use the word search. encrypted. I don't know if they, do you think they used right. the word encrypted, yeah. uh, you know, 33, 35 years ago? I don't know. Probably, probably not. Yeah. Although, I mean, you certainly heard it in terms of, of code breaking yeah. and things like mm -hmm. that and you know, World War II and beyond. Right. But the, the big reason was that uh, um, you have. Uh, you have so many people out there with police band scanners that that want to listen in, and um, and some departments say, you know what, these communications need to be secure. We can't just be broadcasting so everybody can hear. So they would they would switch that. At my department, we had two um, tactical frequencies that we could switch to for uh, that weren't published. So it's not like they were scrambled or encrypted. If somebody happened to figure out what the number was, they could hear it. But basically. You know, when you bought a scanner back then and say, here's all the police frequencies, these two frequencies wouldn't be listed. So we would call each other and say, go to TAC 1, go to TAC 2, and then we could we could talk directly without, you know, if we needed to be discreet about something. Right. But, but and no scrambling, per se. Right, okay. Now, do you know when the, the first voice scramblers were, were invented? Approximately. I don't. Approximately. So it was, no idea. It was, it, was, it was invented by Bell Labs right before World War II. And oh, and they had uh, you know sets that were that consisted of electronics that can mix two signals or alternatively subtract one signal back out again, and the the two signals 
were 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 done via with a telephone and a, and a record player. And then uh, you'd oh. have on the other side a matching pair of records that each contained the same recording of the noise. You know, and so they would play the the play the the recording into the telephone, and then the the mix signal was sent over the wire, and then the noise was then taken out at the far end using the matching record, and therefore it would then you'd be able to hear what was being said. Um, and anyone who's trying to listen in would just hear like a noisy signal because they would not be able to understand the voice. I mean, this, this is it's amazing that they had that type of technology back then. Yeah, it really is. That's that's mind blowing. Yeah, we're using the record player and everything. I'd never heard that before. That's right. This is this is stuff that they, they that like uh, Winston Churchill and, and FDR were were talking this way, right? Uh, you know, during World War II, so that nobody could understand understand what uh, what they were doing. Um, there there were actually a few times that the, the Germans intercepted uh, and were able to unscramble the what what they had. You know, so now it's 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 it. I mean, to me, it's it's always been fascinating, especially because I always think of this movie when I think of you know uh, scrambles. Because I mean, I think that's one of the mistakes they made in the first movie, the first Die Hard, where they didn't have any type of scramblers. So they decided that in this one, <laughs> they're right. going to go one step further and make it that you can't really hear what he's saying, hear what they're saying. Because the first right. one was a, was was a, was too much of a, an open. Uh, it was an open mic for anybody to to listen in on and uh, and deal exactly. with that. Well, and you wonder, did the terrorists in this movie learn anything? Because they're obviously they're aware of what happened at Nakatomi, and and McLean is even. Well, we'll get there. We'll know, get there later celebrity. this week. You're you're oh, jumping ahead again. Jumping we'll ahead. we'll, we'll get there later like this week. <laughs> That's okay. We're we're allowed. We've you know, <laughs> as much as we try to look at this minute in a vacuum, we we know that that's impossible. There are other things that are going around, and whatever. So you know, we'll, but it's later this week. So so. Well, you know, I, I implore you to try to just hold off a little bit, just, just, uh, just a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> and then Barnes says to John, "These guys are pros." And John goes, "So are you? Break the code. I want to hear what those bastards are saying to each other." Yeah. So, and what, what makes him a pro? It's a, he's he's the chief engineer of of the control tower. You know. Yeah, that, that doesn't really make you a code breaker. They don't teach that. <laughs> uh, I don't think. Well, maybe maybe John's saying that you're more of a pro than i am yeah, <laughs> i can barely i can barely you know uh you know bandage your arm i mean if you look at at, at barnes's arm when they're talking about it you see the bandage is not tied up <laughs> so it's it's like hanging over the side you know right. so it 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 shows that that john is not good at that and he thinks that barnes is good at this i mean we know that barnes is somewhat of a technical whiz uh you know because he was gonna somehow uh you know tap into the uh to, to the annex but you know we, we never got to see that so whatever and then i love his response because barnes then says this is a 10 digit 10 digit control panel six digit readout hell that could be a million combinations next time you kill one of these guys get him to enter the code first <laughs> yeah that was a great line yeah it's, it's just... a great line it's it's a stupid thing to say but it's <laughs> it's very funny right well and it's you know there's there's no there's no uh ptsd at this point uh, there's no you know there's no shock on mclean's part you know yeah he just killed a guy it's just you know it's another it's another day of the office um correct oh and and uh and well, it's another Christmas sort of 
Yeah, and Barnes is just sort of <laughs> rolling with it, saying, well, when this guy's around, people just keep dying. And That's you know, right. Next, next time, get him to enter the code first. That's right. I'm about to shoot you. Enter the code, please. You know, and, right. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I was thinking about it. You know, he mentions the fact that it's a 10-digit a uh, uh, code with, with a six-digit readout. And I was trying to think of how is that connected to what, you know, to, to today. And, you know, a lot of times when you're going in onto a website or you have to get in some, you know, they now have the the mobile pins, you know, where you need to put either four or six digits in, sure. uh, you know, where they, they'll send you something to your cell phone and say, okay, you know, in order to, to go to the next stage, push, you know, uh, you know, put in your, your six digit code and stuff like that. You know, the one that they give you each time, you know, it's a randomly done one because, you know, they realize that, that you can't let people choose their own. Uh, <laughs> right. You know, that exactly. we all know, we all know that from Seinfeld, Bosco, um, <laughs> Bosco. <laughs> that's, um, what do you think are the most popular pins when they let people choose them on their own? You know, if you're dealing um, I, with, with either a four digit or, or six digit. I'm, I would guess, and this is just, just a guess. I'm, I suspect that, uh, four zeros is up there as is you know one two three four maybe four two three one okay case. well the, the the first two are there definitely one two three four and zero 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 uh, again one two three four we'll go back to you know the, the the space balls comment you know about the code for for the uh you know for the air and also the the code on right. on uh, president scrooge's luggage yeah both of those yes. <laughs> so the the 10 most popular four digit pins are one two three four zero 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 2580, I don't know why. That one, I can't, can't figure out why that would be at. Uh, 1111, 5555, 5683. Again, I don't know why that would be there. 0852, 1212. That one sort of makes sense. I think maybe because of, you know, you have the phone number 5551212. Right. And, and the last one baffles me the most, 1998. I don't know why. Really? 1998. <laughs> Like, why would people, you know, like what happened in 1998 that that's the main reason that people would use that as a four-digit pin? Yeah, you know, was that a, a big year for apparently so many people? Um, interesting you mentioned, uh, you mentioned 555-1212. When's the last time you called information? Oh, I don't know. There's a generation it's, of people out it's there listening been, that it's been, no uh, idea uh, what we're talking about. That's right. Uh, it's it's been It's been years, if not decades. Yeah. <laughs> But I know I the number know still. still. It is. It is because I I did. It came up I think last season we were talking about it, um, where that is one of the only I think it's a maybe it's a one eight hundred number that's still no it was because we were talking about the the um, I know what we were talking about we were talking about how in movies you know they they all the most movies it's the the numbers start with five 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 and five 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 one two one two is the one number that is completely designated that nobody else can use you know in real life not not just sure. in movies that's where we were talking about it um okay so what about six digit pins any guesses on that of what the 10 most popular six digit pins are um well is is one of them one two three four five six yes okay I'm, then i'm feeling good about myself uh, <laughs> how about six zeros yes and he asked, I know you can head. get some more. No, no, you're, you're going <laughs> the right direction now. I think, I think you're going to get most of these. Uh, six, six ones. Yes. Okay. Um, think back to some of the, the four digit ones. So I'll give you a hint to use that. 
boy. I mean, I'm just thinking six of any digit or okay. You know, counting the down only other digit, that, the, the, uh, there you go. The only other digit that has that the six digits of it is six, 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 six. And then you got the other one, right? You said counting back from six. So six, five, four, three, two, one. Okay. In addition, you have one, two, three, one, two, three. I guess that's, uh, was it red light, green light? One, two, three. Um, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, one, two, two, three, three. Seven eight nine four five six, which is actually a, a clever one. You know that one's yeah, not that something is. that would, you know. <laughs> and and then the final one, another one that I have no idea why it fits in here. One five nine seven five three. Oh, actually, it's diagonal. That's what it is. It's it's making an X. You know, on on okay. the uh, you know, on the on the phone pad. One five nine seven five three. Yeah. Um, the scene changes, and we're we're back in the church again. You know, John, first of all, beforehand, John looks a little frustrated that, that they're not able to, to do anything. But then, you know, we're back in the church and we see one of the guys walking down the stairs. That's actually Khan. Uh, Khan! And uh, <laughs> it's played by a uh, an actor named uh, Tom Verica. This is the second time we see him in the movie. We saw him at the beginning. He was one of the two guys who came to the church. Uh, at the beginning and, uh, you know, took over the church basically by killing, right. uh, you know, killing what, 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 uh, <laughs> what my guest of that week referred to, who you refer to as Matlock. <laughs> <laughs> so Tom Verica uh, has 61 IMDb credits. And uh, the one for me that always jumps out, uh, I'm a big fan as is, you know, Jim O'Kane, who was on last week. And you might be too of of the miniseries uh, from the Earth to the Moon. Oh, so, absolutely. Okay, so he was in from the Earth to the Moon. He played Dick Gordon in three episodes. Uh, oh, Dick, wow. Dick Gordon was one of the guys on the on on uh, Apollo twelve. Right. Um. So yeah, like when oh, again when spot. when I when I was doing when when I was doing research at the beginning and I saw some of these names, I was like, I recognize those names. It was like. You know, and now, I'm, you know, now we actually get him actually say something in this movie because in the first first scene, he didn't say anything. But in this minute, we only get to hear him say one word and he goes, sir, <laughs> that's <laughs> it. He gets cut off in order to find out what else he says. We'll have to come back tomorrow for that. Um, so, Hal, do you have anything else for this minute before we get into the, the script? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think, uh, you know. I think we've covered it, and and as you said, there's plenty to talk about through this week. So oh, for sure, I'll try to try to pace myself and and uh, <laughs> not jump ahead. All right, great. So the script is is pretty much the same as what happens in the movie, but as as always, I love the descriptive aspect of it. So uh, you know, Barnes gives his report, and then it says uh, no, and then it says McLean is doing a damn decent field dressing on Barnes. So you see, they get that <laughs> straight from the uh, from the script. And then it says, an eerie alien-type voice makes them both jump. McLean raises his gun. It's coming from a transceiver beside beside one of the dead men. Curious, Barnes slides over, picks it up, listens with McLean to the garbled, spine-chilling noise. And then it, it jumps to the church. We hear, we, we see Garber, you know, say his lines, looking at Stuart concerned. And then it goes back to, to, to the annex where it says, uh, here, Garber no longer sounds human. And McLean goes, what? And Barn goes, some kind of scrambler. So even if we scan their frequency, we can't listen in. Descramble mode must activate on this code panel. Almost admiringly, these guys are pros. <laughs> so McLean then says to him, so are you. Break the code. 
And then Barnes Jones, eight numbers. That's eight times seven times six times um, thinking 40,320 possible combinations. Next time you kill one of these guys, get them to enter the code first. So, you know, as I, I remember learning as a kid, if you want to find out the, the maximum number of something, you know, if, if, if you have like a code or a certain number of people, you know, how can you arrange them in an order or anything like that? So you just multiply the number by the next number down, next number down and all that. Um, so it's eight, eight times seven times six, you know, so eventually that does get to 40,000, but had they actually done it from 10, which is what theoretically they should be doing. So 10 sure. is, is actually gets to a million, you know, it's, or it's over a million, the, the number that, that you would get with that. So, you know, I, I, I like the fact that in the movie, they, they actually go that far and, you know, it would be silly to have them say show Barnes, you know, using his fingers, counting uh, eight times, times seven, times six, right. times five. Yeah, would have, would have been yeah, a that would strange. slow it down a little. It would slow it down yeah. a little bit, and uh, you know, it would it would make us all feel really stupid by him doing it that way. So, any guesses why it was eight in the script and six in the film? Uh, maybe D'Souza just only could do the math for for eight. I don't know. <laughs> that would be my guess. For the reason as any. Exactly. Um, you have any any thoughts as to why? I, I think, as you said, just trying to, you know, maybe trying to keep it simple. If they're going to streamline the dialogue, they might as well. That's right. I, I remember numbers. I remember in school, they would always, they always taught, taught us, you know, kiss, you know, keep, keep, it, sim keep, it, keep simple. it simple, stupid. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> um, I wonder, too, if it, the uh, um, I'm just I'm scrubbing back through the minute. Um, if they uh, it would have been that much more complex to actually show where you're going to put in or you know show this readout where you're going to put in these eight digits well at at, at second 34 so, we can see part of it but you know what yeah. there's there's even more buttons than that i mean they have they have 16 buttons on the you know uh, on, on yeah they do so i don't really know how that works yeah <laughs> that looks like a i mean a fairly typical handheld like it might even be an air aviation transceiver it, well, and it's a Kenwood. So it, I mean, have... we can see we can see the serial number. It's a Kenwood TH45AT. I, I, you know, I don't really know what that is. <laughs> Maybe it is a receiver, like you said. Uh, you know, an aviation receiver. Um, I don't yeah, know, but again, a, it, it's it's funny that he says, you know, that it's got you know a, a ten-digit uh, options for six, you know, six-digit uh, readout. And, you know, they, they right. show us that there's a lot more than that. <laughs> so, I don't well, know. There's, yeah, there's multiple buttons, but I'm wondering if they're talking about the uh, the actual LCD display at the top. Because, you you know, in other words, where you'd see the numbers, not not where you'd actually type the numbers. Because it looks, that's because I'm looking at a picture of one now, and I say there's... It's it's known as a Kenwood Trio. I can't quite see what the other Oh, wow. You can actually a, see... But you can see on well, in the one that that that, you, that I found here, you can see that they have they have one through nine, and then uh, asterisk zero, and then pound, and then you have A B C D. Right. So that actually makes sense. Okay, that explains why you know it's not sixteen buttons. It really is only ten buttons for that. Sure. And yeah, then on ten top, numbers, and then right. And then on top, you do see what looks like a six. It could be six digits on top. Yeah. So, okay, it's an amateur UHF, uh, UHF transceiver. 
Um, it has uh, 14 channels on it. Uh, we don't really need to know about the power supply <laughs> and stuff like that. It weighs 400 grams, you know, 14.11 ounces. Wow. Um, you know, do, do they talk here about the fact that it has a, a scrambler on it? I don't know. Um, <laughs> they, it talks about high powered settings. Uh, you can get a, a different types of char what chargers you can use for it. Um, it was manufactured during, between 1987-1989 uh, in Japan, and it's been discontinued, obviously, because, you know, too many terrorists were using it or some other reason like that. <laughs> but no, it reason. doesn't. That's some other reason. Yeah, so they don't mention here anything about why, you know, how, how it actually works with the scrambler. Um, right. Yeah, I, I don't know enough I, about these things to, to figure, figure, figure out all the spec. I have a pretty similar radio. It's it's a handheld uh, uh, transceiver for use as, as a backup for flying, and its configuration is broadly similar. And you know, the only thing you're using the uh, on mine, the only thing you're using the keypad for is just to type in the digits for a radio frequency, so one one eight point five megahertz, that kind of thing. Um, you know, there's no uh, the, the the buttons don't sort of transmit to anything or really control anything other than sorry, the numerical buttons in particular just say this is the frequency i want to i want to go to and rather than turning a tuning knob you just dial the numbers directly oh, okay so you you've never used it to try and take over an airport i i really feel like the statute of limitations prohibits me from answering that in full okay so on the advice of counsel i'm just gonna just gonna leave that one alone that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> All right. So every Monday we have a segment called McLean Monday, where my guests will give their top five Bruce Willis performances. Uh, so how? Why don't you tell us tell us what, what you got there? Start with number five and work your way up. Okay. So this was a uh, this was a challenge for me because I feel like there's. Oh, well, there's I don't some... make things easy. Come on. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I was thinking of another show. I was thinking of the Easy Show. Yeah. Um, the uh, uh, just because it it. It's my my number one is no start is with number five clear okay I know no, I'm going to okay. start with number All five right. I'm just uh, sorry I'm sorry just no I thought you were jumping you. the gun again you're starting with number one but there's so, okay. there's kind of a I'm not saying everything else is tied for second place but I'm just I could I could take probably three four and five and switch them around in any given order but having said that uh, number five I went with Looper okay um, so I thought that was a and odd but sort of watchable if if uh, although i must confess actually largely kind of forgettable sci-fi movie but i thought it was fun um number four will uh, i'm sure lose me a lot of friends uh when i say hudson hawk okay uh, no why should it look someone someone a few weeks ago had that as their number one so you're you're, you're as good. their number one really yeah you're good that's uh I, that was just a, I I love the byplay with uh, Bruce Willis and Danny Aiello in that movie, and I love the I love the soundtrack and the you know the gimmick of using these the timing of songs to play in these heists. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, number three, Unbreakable. Number two, Fifth Element. Um, and number one, uh, the first Die Hard. There's just no 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 question about that one. Okay. Very cool. All right. Thank you very much for that, Hal. Uh, so, Hal, you want to tell pleasure. people you want to tell people how they can get in touch with you, where they can find Hal Bryan. Sure. Well, you know, as this is airing, 
uh, starting on the week of July 24th, uh, you can find me all over uh, the EAA Air Venture Convention Grounds. So uh, here in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, every year we hold the largest aviation event of any kind anywhere in the world. And uh, uh, 650,000 people, 10 to 12,000 airplanes um, in a week long, uh, just amazing, uh, amazing event across about something like 1,800 acres. So uh, again, as this is airing, um, if you're for some reason you're you're listening in, you're on the air venture grounds at the same time. Um, I'm everywhere, so just uh, flag me down and say hello. Um, well, everyone's in Oshkosh this week, don't you know that? That's 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 <laughs> where else would you be? That's right. That's what it feels like. Um, and so yeah, again, as this is airing, I'm I'm in the middle of you know of uh, about three weeks with uh, with no breaks and you know. 18, 20 hour days and loving every second of it, even if my body's a little tired. Um, otherwise, you mentioned at the beginning um, a podcast that I did with the uh, inimitable Jim O'Kane, the Rocketeer Minute. So you can go to rocketeerminute.com and, and find episodes there or find it uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Audible. Uh, you can you can ask Alexa to play the uh, Rocketeer Minute. Uh, all that kind of good stuff. And I also do another podcast uh, through work, through the Experimental Aircraft Association. I'm not on every episode. There's a few of us that rotate in and out as hosts. But that one's called The Green Dot. Uh, and you can find that at inspire.ea.org. All right. Very cool. And while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcatcher you may be using to listen to this show. Finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for a movie around minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. And you can find me on my website moviewrobminute.com. So, until tomorrow, yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay. If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, quaint little village.